0: Hebrews chapter 4. I feel like that this may have been a text that I spoke on like the very first year I was here. We kind of did a series on encouragement. And I think we actually touched on this passage. But hopefully today you will find this passage to be incredibly encouraging. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Scripture says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Look at verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. If you guys would kind of remember, we've been actually continuing on the same idea of rest, okay, in Hebrews. So it was enter into the Lord's rest. And we've talked about a few different things. The first thing we talked about was encouraging one another. And later on in Hebrews, you'll see the word provoke even used, provoke one another to love. And that's part of this idea here that the way we enter rest is we have to speak into each other's lives. Uh, Even Pete this morning shared that he felt that sharing with people was such an important thing. On Wednesday night, we were doing uh, Nehemiah and the book of Nehemiah. They had, the people had been far away from God for a long time. Ezra comes up on the platform and he opens up the book. And he begins to read the scriptures. He reads them for six hours, by the way. Anybody want to stay here for six hours today? He reads for six hours. And as the people are taking this in, there's other people explaining the words that are being read to the people that are out in the congregation. And some of them, when they hear the words, they, they start by raising their hands. And they were really praising the Lord that way. And then the scripture says, they said, amen. And then it says that some of them got all the way down on the, on the ground on their faces and humbling themselves. And after they heard so much of the word, they all began to start weeping and crying because they had not been keeping the words of the Lord because they hadn't heard them in so long. They'd been far away from that. And Nehemiah says to them, today is a holy day. Do not grieve or weep. That's interesting, isn't it? He said, today is a day of celebration. Let the joy of the Lord be your strength. And as we looked, he says, today is the day that you need to go and share with a drink with those who have none and food with those who have none so that they can celebrate too. And Sintel on Wednesday night said, part of the joy of the Lord is sharing. And it just hit me like a ton of bricks. It was right there in the scripture. And I've studied that scripture many years. and <laughs> never saw it like Sintel saw it that night where we can find joy in the Lord as we share with others physically, but also spiritually. And that's how we can grow. And so I want to just uh, encourage you today to think about, as we're going to try to enter in the Lord's rest, we need to encourage each other. And then last week, what did we look at? Do you remember? The word of the Lord, it is quick and powerful, right? It's alive, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides uh, the Soul, of the spirit, the joints, and the marrow, and it can discern the thoughts and the motives, or the thoughts and the intent of the heart. And so, I would challenge you again, even today, spend some time in God's word every day this week. Let God's word check your thoughts and let it check your motives. And by staying in line with the word of the Lord, that helps us make sure we're on the track to enter the Lord's rest. So today, this is the third thing that we're looking at in this idea of entering the Lord's rest, and this one is to hold fast in difficult trials. Have you ever been through a difficult trial? That's a silly, silly question, right? Okay, some of you may be facing some difficult trials. How have you gotten through difficult trials? I want you to consider that a little bit today, too. How did you make your way through them? It is no wonder with difficult weeks that we have from time to time, sometimes we feel like giving up. When we feel like this, where do we turn for our strength? Sometimes we may turn to our family and sometimes to friends or pastors, sometimes maybe an article in in a magazine, but really there's only one person who can give us the strength that we really need and one place that we can go for true strength, and that is our high priest, Jesus Christ, and his throne of grace. This morning, we're going to look at one of the greatest passages ever concerning the high priest that we have. And in this book, the Hebrew Christians were going through actual persecution, and they are contemplating their return to the religion of their fathers. And the author of this book has instructed them to press on, and here he gives them the reason to hold firmly to their faith, and not just the reason, but also the how or the practical part. And so we're going to see the why. So let's look together this morning as we see uh, how we press on and why we should press on both of those things together. The first thing I want to encourage you this morning is our high priest that we have is great. Jesus is great because he is divine or he is God. We can press on because we have a great high priest. We see that he is great, first of all, because he is divine. If you look at verse 14, you'll see that it says, he went or he passed through the heavens. Jesus is the high priest of the heavenly temple. He is our mediator, our intercessor, ever before his father on our behalf. So if you think of your Old Testament picture, just like Aaron would have passed from the side of the people into that most holy place of the tabernacle, so Jesus... Left his disciples, went into the heavens to meet the Father, and there he is our heavenly high priest. And only God could do such a thing. Now, if you guys remember the book of Ruth and Boaz, remember that story just a little bit? So um, there was a lady by the name of no- Naomi, and she had a husband and two sons. And there was famine in the land, and they left. And when they left, the two sons married two daughters, Orpah and Ruth. But the two sons died, and their father died. And Naomi's name means pleasant. But when she came back to her homeland, she told everyone to call her Mara, which is bitter. Call her bitterness. Because she lost both of uh, her sons and her husband. Call her bitter, all right? And so Ruth stepped into this place and she was seeking to follow the Lord by helping out Naomi. And she runs into a man by the name of Boaz. And Boaz has two factors going on in his heart or to his life. He is uh, a kinsman redeemer. So he had to be a kinsman to have the right to redeem, but he had to have resources to be able to redeem. Are you tracking with me? So he had to have the actual birthright to have the right to redeem, but he had to have the money and the farmland and the resources to have the power to redeem. Well, in this picture of a redeemer of Boaz, we also see Jesus. He had to have both the right and the power. And what I want to remind you today is that Jesus, he can be our high priest because he is actually God. Who else could go through the heavens? And also in verse 14, you'll see it says, look at the next statement about his divinity. He is the son of God. It's a marvelous thought that we have an intercessor for us in the heavens, but how much more he is the very son of very God. And You guys have probably seen this this picture before. Um, Do you ever watch those courtroom shows? Right? Maybe you watch the fake ones or do you ever watch the real ones like Judge Judy? Okay. So usually you have three different uh, positions going on, right? You've got the prosecution and you've got the defense and you've got the judge. Now think about this in our sense of where we stand with the Lord. There is, uh, we're, we're actually at the defense table, all right? Now, who's prosecuting the the believer? Who's the accuser? That's his name, isn't it, right? His name is the accuser, Lucifer. That's what he very means at the very root of his name. He is pointing out all of your flaws and your mistakes and your sins. And do you have those? You're guilty, right? You better believe you are. I better believe I am, okay? Who's the judge? The creator of the ends of the earth, we saw last week that there's nothing hidden from him at all, right? He is the ultimate judge. And so here we sit at the defense table before the God who knows everything in our heart and our minds and our thoughts and all of our actions. We have an accuser who is speaking in this sense. He's speaking truth because he's pointing out all of our sins and our flaws and our iniquities and our trespasses. And then we have a judgment coming our way. But who's the defense attorney? And he is the judge's son. You have an in with the judge. And not just an in, but you have a son who paid your penalty, who paid for your debt. He can say, that's already been taken care of. That life sentence, I've already done it. They are free to go. And we're set free because Jesus is God's son. He is divine. And so that gives us encouragement that I can press on. Because Jesus is my defense. What a better defense than that, right? Again, Jesus is the only one able to redeem. He's the only begotten Son of God. He's the Son of God. He's divine. But not only that this morning, our high priest is not just divine, but he's also human. Our high priest is great because he is one of us. He had to be God to be able to redeem, but because he was human, he had the right of redemption, and he became our kinsman, which is unbelievable when you think about it right how did God become a human being what all does that what does that mean well what we see here and again in this these verses is that our high priest can sympathize with our weaknesses and again I remind you this I think sometimes we forget about this but was Jesus ever hungry stressed pressured (laughs) abandoned failed by other people check 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 right Don't forget that. This amazing, divine God was also a human being. And he knows your physical pain and your aches. He knows what this body is to be inside a human body. He knows all the temptations that you face all these things. He doesn't just know them because he's all-knowing. He knows them because he experienced those temptations. He understands those things. Jesus faced temptation. Even though he was almighty God, he was tempted in every way, just as we are, and he never sinned. And so he knew the full extent of temptation because he never gave in to those temptations, but he he experienced them. I want to do this super quick, so if you guys will hold with me, but I think this is important it's a good uh, reminder. We've been through this probably three or four times, but I think it's a great way for us to grab hold of how we can fight against sin, and it also help us today understand what Jesus also went through as himself. So in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, John writes this. He says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. Verse 16, remember this. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life come not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives, how long? Forever, forever, all right. Even today, I know that some of you will be facing temptation, even this week. And I think it's helpful for us to know how the enemy works And to know that our high priest has defeated the enemy. When Jesus is tempted by the devil, of course, you can see these things. And I want to highlight these real quick. But again, I think it's a great teaching moment for you guys to grab onto this. And you can share this with other people to encourage them as they battle. And what I want you to see today, those three things, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Jesus faced them all. If you would, real quickly, look over with me in Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. The lust of the flesh. The scripture says, and Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And after a fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, you guys know this today, the lust of flesh can come in many forms and it can easily result in addiction or abuse. Are you hearing the Lord today? The lust of the flesh. What makes this body feel good? I want that. And you can feed it so much that it can become an addiction. And what I want you to see today is Jesus face that temptation. He had made a commitment. He was on a fast, and the devil came to him and said, Here, turn these stones and make them into bread. Show us how powerful you are, and then you'll have something to eat. You think Jesus would have liked to have some bread? You better believe it. But notice what Jesus said, and this is so important for us. He said that the word of the Lord is what we should feed on, Right? The word of the Lord is what we should sustain ourselves with. Again, remember that quick and powerful word we saw last week. If Jesus lived by the word of God, how much more should we? Not only do we see the lust of flesh, but in Matthew, the second thing we see is the pride of life. Look in verse 5. And the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test, right? So what is that that pride of life? It's that desire to prove yourself. Uh, Do you ever have that desire to prove yourself right? I think that's actually a pen gene that's passed down. Let me prove how right I am, okay? Even this week, I'm trying to encourage someone else and something happens and then all of a sudden, I was like, wait a minute, what about me? And it took just a little bit, not too long, but a couple of minutes before the Lord kind of had to kick me all up and down and say, it's not about you. But the pride of life was like, recognize me. Why don't you see my point in this situation? Why are not you understanding where I come from? <laughs> and that's what that pride of life does. And the devil even attacks our Lord with that. Hey, you can go to this highest point. You can throw yourself down, the angels, and then everybody will say, look, look who he is. He really is the Son of God. Go ahead, Jesus, show us who you are. Now think about that. If your nemesis or your enemy or the person that aggravates you the most in this world, if you could show them and really stick it to them and prove a point, would that be tempting? Oh, man. I'm sure that on the human side of Jesus, he was like, I just can't wait to tiptoe off of this and show you. You think nothing will happen, but you know that it will. You watch. Let me show you. (laughs) It's a good thing that we aren't the Lord, right? But he was tempted, again, just like we are, that pride of life, that temptation to always prove yourself to be right and to be exalted, and the Lord had the same temptation. And finally, the last one, the lust of the eyes, again down in verse 8, Again, the devil took him to a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And the devil says, all this I will give you, verse 9, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. Lust of the eyes is that desire to possess, and it often results in covetousness. When you see something that somebody else has and you say, I got to have that, whether it's a person, a thing, that's the lust of the eyes. It's especially when the possession is to boost your own pride or your sense of worth, right? We've talked about this a few times before. Uh, This can even be with people, right? Yeah, I mean, if I had that girl on my arm and then everybody think, ooh, what a guy he is. Or if I had that guy with me, then everybody think, wow, what she must be, right? We can do that that, uh, lust of the, the eyes in that sense. If I had this vehicle, if I had a Tesla truck, people would think I was hip and cool. They probably just laugh at me, right? (laughs) If I had a really big house or if I had really nice clothes or if I had whatever the possession is so that it boosts your position, you think, that's suffering from the the pride, uh, the lust of the eyes. And what I want to tell you today is Jesus faced that. I think sometimes we're so quick to say, oh, Jesus doesn't even understand. He doesn't know, but he did. He faced it right here with the devil. Our Lord was tempted in all these ways, all the ways that we are, and he did not sin. If we seek him during difficult times, we can find strength to press on. But another amazing truth is at rest here, and that is the Lord knows what you're going through, not just theoretically, but experientially he knows. We should go to him. We should go to him. And that's the whole point today. That's the whole point for everybody that's here today. We need to go to Him. If you're struggling, if you're hurting, you need to lift your heart to Him. I want to read you this little illustration from Jill Briscoe, and I think it speaks it very clearly. She recalls, she says, In Croatia, I was asked to speak uh, to a church gathering for about 200 newly arrived refugees there in Croatia. Refugees from this area of the world are mostly women because the men are either dead or they're in camp or they're fighting. This group of Muslims and Croats and a few Serbians had fled to a seminary on the border of a battered Croatian town. The town was still in danger of sniper fire and bombing, but the church had escaped because there were apartment buildings between it and the guns. Attackers had tried to fire shells over the apartment buildings to the seminary, but they hadn't managed to do it, so it became the refugee receiving and feeding place. She says, we worked all day visiting with the refugees, and at night a service was held in this huge old church, and I had to speak, and I didn't know what to say. Everything I had prepared seemed totally inadequate, so I put my notes away and I prayed. God, give me creative ideas that they can identify with. And so I told them about Jesus who even as a young child, he became a refugee to Egypt. He was hunted by soldiers, and his parents had to flee at night, leaving everything behind. And I could tell the people began to click with what I was saying. I kept praying like crazy. I continued telling them about Jesus' life. And when I got to the cross, I said, he hung there naked, not like the pictures tell you. And they knew what that meant. Some of them had been stripped naked and been tortured And at the end of the message, I said, all these things have happened to you. You are homeless. You've had to flee. You've suffered unjustly, but you didn't have a choice. Jesus had a choice. He knew all this would happen to him, but he still came. And then I told them why. And many of them just knelt down. They put their hands up and they wept. And I said, he's the only one who really understands. How can I possibly understand? But he can. This is what people did to him. He's the suffering God. And you can give your pain to him. You can, can't you? Right? You can. He knows. Because we have such a great high priest, we can hold firmly to the faith that we profess. All right. So how do we, what do we do? We know the whys, but how? We can approach the throne with confidence. We can approach the throne with confidence. Think about that for a second. If you're going to approach the throne of the almighty God, would you think you would do it feeling confident? I'm afraid somebody would almost have to push me into the room, (laughs) right? Uh, Are you sure this is okay? I don't even know. What do I? I don't know about this, right? Look at what the scripture says. We should approach the throne with confidence. Not because we've done anything wonderful, but because the one who sits on the throne is sympathetic to us. And he is gracious. We know that when we approach his throne, we will be well received because he knows us intimately and he has invited us to boldly approach his throne. Hear me today. Hear the word of the Lord today. Jesus said, come boldly before the throne. Don't come weak. And don't be shy about coming. Come with boldness to the throne of God with your requests. We should come with boldness before the throne. And again, another thing that can encourage us this morning, it is a throne of grace. Christ's throne is not a throne of judgment, not a throne of hate here. It's listed as a throne of grace. We have an awesome reason to pray, knowing that we are approaching a throne of grace upon the invitation of the King of Kings that we would come with boldness. And not just once a year like the high priest used to, but we can come every day and many times every day. We can come before a throne of grace. That's how you sustain yourself, folks. That's how we make it through. Um, I dare say that a lot of us, when the problems come, we don't take the time to go before the throne. But that's where we need to head. Henry Fosdick says this, Now if God left some things contingent on man's thinking and working, why may he not have left some things contingent on man's praying? The testimony of the great souls is clear and affirmative to this. Some things never without thinking. Some things never without working. But look at this. Some things never without praying. Prayer is one of three forms of man's cooperation with God. Thinking, working, and notice here, praying. We can approach God's throne, for there we have deliverance. All right. Two things here the Lord says about deliverance. The first reason we can approach is because we can receive mercy. Todd and I were joking, halfway joking today. I asked him at the table at the front, of that table at the front in Sunday school class was for the sinners. He said, well, if it's for the chiefest, that's the one I deserve. Right? But if we start thinking seriously, we do deserve it, right? We talked about being with a defense attorney, right? Amen. But what we find here is that even though we deserve difficult things because of our transgressions, the mercy is available to those who would seek it in their time of need. I hope that you'll hear the Lord today. Have you ever made a bad decision and then you're receiving the consequences of that decision, right? The Lord here says, ask me for mercy. Ask for mercy. Not only that, does he said we can approach the throne to receive mercy, but he says at the throne, we can find grace. Now this is kind of a fun word, that word find. You guys ever heard of the Comstock load? Wendy and I have been watching this silly show on TV and it has a lot to do with mining lately and they're trying to find the big dollars down in the mine, right? Well, this word find here, it's interesting. It's actually where we get our word eureka is the the root of that, right? What did the old old guys do back in the gold rush, right? Eureka, I found it, right? That's what this is. And I'm going to tell you today that if you find grace, you're going to find better anything better than any gold load anywhere on the planet. Jesus says, come before my throne, my throne of grace, with boldness and confidence. And when you're there, you will, find, you will receive mercy and you will find grace in your time of need. We have a reason to not give up. Even more, this reason provides us with the strength which is available upon request. It's quite an awesome thing to ponder that God Almighty would care enough for us to invite us to approach His throne with confidence. And there he will meet our need. Again, look at the scripture, right? Let me read it to you here this morning. Who do you call on when you just don't feel like you can go on? Remember these verses. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast, hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. So look here, verse 16. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us win. Amen. To help us in our time of need. All right, you guys laid out a bunch of prayer requests today, right? The Lord says, if you will come to my throne with boldness and confidence, when you're in that time of need, you will receive mercy and you will find grace. But we need to come, and we need to come confidently, and we need to come humbly. What is your need this morning? Are you facing difficult temptation? You can make it through this trial and the next trial. And as we've seen the last few weeks as we talk about entering the Lord's rest, others will encourage you. The Word of God will show you. And Jesus here at His throne of grace will hear and deliver just enough mercy and grace to take care of you in your time of need. So come to the throne. He is waiting. Come to the throne. He is waiting. Can I challenge you this week that you would share that idea right there with anybody that you run into who is in need? So if you have a relative and they're having a conversation and they share a need with you, encourage them. If you have a coworker who shares a situation with you, encourage them. If you have a spouse or a neighbor, Even if you just meet somebody, next Sunday, a week from today, we may meet some people who begin to share some of their hurts and their brokenness. In the best way that you can, with the little time that you have, can you share with them? Come to the throne. Go with boldness and go with confidence, and there you can find mercy and grace in your time of need. Let's stand this morning.